0: Swinging a line drive left field. Ben Teddy coming on, dives, and then he make the catch? He did! It. He got it! There we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. Hi,
1: hey! Yeah. He crushed it! It's a grand slam! Twing him in straight
0: three, it's over! The Red Sox
1: have won the world championship! Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast.
0: Can you believe it?
1: Here's your host, Terry Cushman.
0: For MLB fans across Red Sox Nation, MLB fans from around the league, and the Yankees fans who can't get enough of hating us, welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Betts podcast covering the Boston Red Sox. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and literally every single platform imaginable. We are downloaded in over 30 countries from across the planet each week, according to PodTrack.com. The Boston Red Sox just wrapped up a five-game set. Yes, you heard that right. A five-game set with the Buffalo Blue Jays dropping three out of the five games. Still last place in the American League East. News out of Fenway. Kevin Ploiecki took a ninety. 90- four mile an hour fastball off of his hand. X-rays following the game were negative. He will be reevaluated on Monday. News from around the league: the New York Yankees have lost 13 of their last 18 games and have slipped to third place in the American League East. Oakland A's third baseman Matt Chapman will go undergo an MRI on his right hip for a possible strain. Astros pitcher Lance McCullers Jr. has been placed on the DL due to nerve issues in his neck. White Sox pitcher Dallas Keiko left Sunday's game early due to lower back tightness. And uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. has tied Mike Trout for the MLB Home Run League, both of them having 15 apiece. Once again, I am Terry Cushman, coming to you from Lewiston, Maine, and I am joined tonight, uh, coming from Saugus, Massachusetts, Al Nahigian. Al, how are you?
1: Well, another Red Sox series done means we're that much closer to the season ending. Thank God.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been a grind, and it's not been pretty at times, but... Uh, the bats were good all series long. We we scored a bunch of runs in, in most of the games, but uh, bad series for the bullpen, as we will uh, end up uh, probably raging about here shortly. Also joining us tonight from Providence, Rhode Island, Charlie Smith. Charlie, how are you?
2: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. It was... Uh absolutely perfectly put eloquently put uh the pitching let us down for what felt like the first real series in a while because I felt like the bullpen was starting to kind of come together and we had some unlikely uh offensive gems from some players that usually have not found themselves in the uh the happy spot so it's 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 nice to see a little bit of a change a little bit of variety in the Red Sox team there's always something good to talk about here in Boston you know
0: yeah, and we're not the only fan base that's, you know, experiencing any misery right now. The Yankees are in a free fall. They can't win when Garrett Cole goes out there, and it's going to be fun to watch. And they have 10 games remaining with the Toronto Blue Jays, so um, second place should be settled by the end of that. And I'm just wondering if the Yankees might really free fall. Uh, lower than the Detroit Tigers and Baltimore Orioles, who are the two teams that could knock them out of that final eight seed. So, at least we're not dealing with anxiety like they are. We're just dealing with, you know, a little bit of depression. But, but anyway, so let's just get right into studs and duds. Al, you are the leadoff man. Who was your stud for the series?
1: Well, going forward, we shouldn't even have any studs. We should just do duds and more duds. But anyways, for my stud in this series, I have Martin Perez. I mean, he pitched really well. And honestly, he's a guy that next year you could consider making a four or five starter for your rotation if you can make a couple moves, sign Trevor Bauer, or whatever. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Six and two-thirds innings, five Ks, three hits, one run, three walks. I mean, he did his job. He kept the Red Sox in the game, and that's what you – need to ask for from your starting pitchers and he gave you that so shout out to martin perez and hopefully he's around next year
0: charlie yeah
2: absolutely i mean uh al hit it right on the head i mean this is someone who had a no hitter going for what i think the first five six, six innings right six innings he had it and then the first i think i tweeted it or i said something to a friend i was like yeah he's got a no hitter six innings and they're like oh okay nice job charlie just blew it I think it was – was it Teoscar Hernandez who broke it up? I forget who it was that broke it up in the the, uh, seventh inning. Uh, It was Teoscar
0: Hernandez.
2: Yeah, it was Teoscar Hernandez. So, um, Martin Perez is not somebody I've been high on this year. I, I think, you know, there's a little bit of concern there. What Josh Beckett was annually, Martin Perez has been this season, one good performance, one bad performance, one good performance, one bad performance. And this time it was a stellar performance. I I don't know if I can say it's the best one this year, but I will say it was the best six-inning span that we've seen from him in a long time. And this spans back to Ranger days, Minnesota days, and, uh, I mean, it it looked beautiful. It was nice to see.
0: I mean, I'm kind of starting to become an apologist of this guy regardless. I mean, he shouldn't be a top-line starter on a team right now. He should be a back-end guy, probably a number four. And if we, we're we going to get Rodriguez back, apparently we're going to be keeping Evoldi. I, I got a lot of pessimism about that. But, um, you know, and if you can find one more free agent over the winter to just put in front of Perez, I mean, we're going to – we're going to have an okay rotation next year, it feels like. And if he can give you this type of production at the back end, that's pretty solid. And it was nice to see him be completely lights out going into the seventh inning. I wasn't too... I didn't have my hopes up for a no-hitter, but it was fun to have a pitcher... Contending for one that late in a game, we haven't seen that in quite a while. When was the last no hitter for the Red Sox? It might have been Lester in 2008, and that came—that definitely came after the Buckholz no hitter.
2: Well, yeah, Buckholz's no hitter was oh god, I remember the last pitch was to Nick Marcakis. That was when I was in college, so that was 07. Uh, Lester was the last one, 08. 5 8 and that was against the Royals.
0: That's crazy. I mean, we've had so many talented pitchers since then, you know, and has Chris Sale gotten close? I Not that I recall. but
2: uh, I, I He's had some phenomenal games where I think he's had like 17 strikeouts in eight innings, but I don't think I've ever seen him get uh, a, a no-kitter. I, I'd have to look that one up. I'm actually going to look it up right now.
0: I was actually at a game where Chris Sale threw, I think, a complete game one hitter, and we lost one to nothing. (laughs) That was, I
2: think, against the Toronto Blue Jays two years ago.
0: No, that was against the White Sox in the... Was it White Sox? I think it was in the 2017 season. No, 2018 season. Yeah, and guess who who the opposing pitcher was? He's in our system.
2: (laughs) Oh, God.
0: Dylan Cody. Wait. Oh
2: no! <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So, That's tragic. And then, but we were there for two games. We went the next day. David Price pitched, and as much as I hate him, he uh, he got the win. But but that was a very good start by Perez. So hopefully he finishes off the year strong. He's on very cheap money for next year. It's an option. So like I said. Totally good with a guy like that in the four-hole. If we start the season and he's the number two pitcher for whatever reasons, you know, injuries, whatever, we're going to be pissed. But anyway, Charlie, who is your stud for the series?
2: So my stud for this one, uh, this is a no-brainer, and this is somebody who no one knew about. But uh, Jairu Muno, uh, someone who just – hit over 500 for a five-game series, and it, it stinks because uh, he, he pulled up on in the fifth game after his single, and he ended up, uh, you know, only having that one at-bat. Who knows if he would have had three multi-hit games, but he had back-to-back three-hit games. Um, phenomenal job. Went nine for 17, had a pair of doubles, six singles, a homer, uh, had four RBIs, only two strikeouts, had four runs scored. I mean, the guy was electric. I have nothing bad to say, and I... He's young. He's, what, mid 20s? So uh, he did leave under some very unique circumstances earlier this season for St. Louis. But the Red Sox, great ad. Uh, I hope he can keep this up. You know, before this series, he was only one for four. And since then, nine for 17. So 10 for 21 on the season for the Red Sox. I, I can't complain.
0: Yeah.
1: The kid was a stud. Plain and simple. I mean, you hit over 500 in any series, you're going to get looks, whether you're in the system, out of the system, baseball fans everywhere, whatever. And, I mean, it would kind of be nice if you get a a diamond in the rough going into next year. So, could be a sign of things to come. Just saying.
0: Do we know – I should have did some notes uh, coming into the show, but do we know where he came from? Like, it just seems like he came out of nowhere –
2: Well, this is, uh, this is someone that the, um, unfortunately, you know, he, he was with, with the Cardinals to start off the year and he ended up flying home and didn't announce anything to the team. And because there wasn't a communication, um, there, there was no communication between the team. Uh, I think Cardinals front office said, you know, this is a great guy, great player, but you know, he didn't communicate with us. He just, he left, and he went back to the Dominican Republic, and that was it. Now, the the story behind it, again, we don't know any of the details. We don't know the information. There was a rumor that it was something potentially with COVID, um, but he was released, and the Red Sox added him, and that was it. Like, very short and sweet. Um, had a decent year in 2018. Um, not, like, super, super fast, but was able to hit the ball, hit 276 the following year in um, decent work. Didn't do as well. Stole more bases, but, um, you know, his strikeout numbers are not great. But if this is someone who's going to be a utility guy, slash. Because I, I I don't trust Michael Chavis after. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what this kid can do. He only... I believe he only played the outfield while in Boston. So this will be interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was under the impression he was in our system and came up, you know, quietly, you know, through through the minors. Travis Shaw was like that. He wasn't really on anybody's radar and got a call up and exploded. And, and um, yeah, but Munoz, like you said, Came from the Cardinal system, major leaguer. Decent numbers, really. Uh, you know, is a 280 hitter in, you know, two and a half years of playing. And so I guess I'm going to be kind of curious to see what the ceiling is on this guy. And we have harped on it ad nauseum that we don't have a ton of outfield depth. So, um, you know, if if he ends up being pretty serviceable... It's going to be interesting. I mean, we got a guy named Andrew Benintendi who is looking more and more expendable by the day. Who? (laughs) Just kidding.
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, he's a multi-versatile fielder. He can play and has played second, third, short, and each outfield position. So far for Boston, he's played both corner spots in the outfield, and he was a DH as well. So um, through four or five games... No errors, so I will take that right now. He's only had, you know, the, the one assist, but he's he's not committed an error. And believe me when I tell you, considering there are some positions that sometimes have two or three errors in one game, you know, don't have to mention the name because we already know who it is. Um, <laughs> it's nice to see a level of consistency, even though it's just been one series. I will take the small victory, and that's it.
0: Well said. And, you know, he's got another month. Well, not quite a month. Another few weeks left to really, you know, show us, you know, what he's got. Looking forward to next year.
1: Strong agree. Strong agree.
0: My stud for the series this is a guy that I have been an apologist for at times, but he does have a tendency to let me down shortly thereafter, but. I have to go with him for this series as my stud. Seven for 18, uh, you know, Michael Chavis had hits in every game, multiple hits in two of the five games. And I just, I would like to see this very consistently. And his ceiling to me more than any other player is a complete mystery. I don't know what this guy's ceiling is, but he teases us enough to, to make us think it could be potentially high. I'd like to see another Kevin Euclid here, but, you know, the strikeouts, he still did have five of them, you know, despite, you know, seven hits. So, um, you know, but. You know, going the right way, at least for this series, and I think we do play Toronto at least one more time. So, I don't know. Thoughts on Chavis?
1: It's good to see a guy come up and actually do what he's supposed to do at the big league level, even if it's just for the course of a series. So, yeah, thank God Chavis is actually stepping up, and hopefully this can be a sign of things to come for next year. <laughs>
0: Charlie. Agreed.
2: Even though it was just one series, uh, sorry, did cut you off? Uh, even though it was just one series, it was nice to see even a two hit performance from him in one of the games because this is something that we hadn't seen since uh, the Tampa Bay series in like early mid August. So it's been several weeks since we've seen even that level of consistency. We've also seen the batting average drop. Um, the strikeout numbers need to go down. So he's still striking out. You know, once every. Three, four at bats. Um, really happy to see that in the last game of the series. I don't think he's. I don't think he struck out. I think he went two for. Yeah, he went two for three today. Did strike out. So I. Uh, I almost feel like that should be a drinking game. If if Michael Chavis strikes out or doesn't strike
1: <laughs>
0: out,
2: you have to chug your beer. Um, you know, no one's going to be chugging if he's playing. Uh, and I I was wrong on this. And you know, I'm a huge Michael Chavis lover. I saw him hit his first career home run. I sat right by an home plate for that. I will never forget it. Um, and so I, I do wish nothing but success for this kid, as I as I do for most of these guys that play for the Red Sox now. They, they're getting, finally, these these kids are getting a chance to play at a big league level. And while they don't look like they're fully ready right now, this, you know, the sky is the limit for some of them. So we'll see what happens.
1: Charlie, if you had that game going and you and I were playing it, we'd be in a lot of trouble. Just saying.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you guys would get into a lot of trouble together.
2: Yeah. Yep. It, 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 you know, it's – it would be almost as if, like, you know, someone told me that the, the Red Sox are going to win more than 24 games. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: Ch- okay, Charlie. Okay, Charlie. We get it.
2: Oh, geez. Uh, who do you, well, yeah, so, I mean – this is the thing about Chavis. Did, did anyone think that he was going to have like a good series this year? Like, that's the thing. I, I feel like people had ragged on him and ragged myself included. Like I wasn't really happy with the fact that he was striking out as much as he was. Um, I, I, I will say it, it's nice to see this. Now the question then becomes what if, if Chavis can do this in back-to-back series? Will people then become a believer or will they still say, nah, I don't know yet. Because he's still striking out more than forty percent of his at bats. That's the ugly thing. He's gonna have
0: to he's gonna have to clean that up, improve the plate discipline, and give you a, a solid year, I think, before he can kinda get rid of that stigma. I mean, Devers it, it took a little while for him because he had a lot of problems with a high fastball and his plate discipline wasn't great, but at the start of last year, he really turned it on. And this year's been a struggle and I'm willing to chalk that up as a twenty twenty thing with Devers, but but Chavis needs to have a similar year, you know, like what Devers had last year, for me to be like, Okay, okay, this guy's a bona fide major leaguer and he's gonna have a, a fairly long career. That's what it's gonna take for me. So
2: I, I think about Michael Chavis, and I think of the fact that, you know, third baseman, first baseman, he bats on the right side. There is one guy, and maybe this is an unfair comparison to make, like if we just didn't give him enough time, is the whole Anthony Rizzo move. Rizzo went to San Diego, was in the Red Sox farm system, which people actually either don't know or completely forgot. He went over to San Diego for the move that brought Adrian Gonzalez over to Boston, and no one knew what was going to happen with Rizzo. His only year in San Diego, didn't do anything. His, his second year in the bigs, when he was a member of the Chicago Cubs, he finally starts to hit pay dirt. Third year, batting average went back down, wasn't doing great, and in year four starts to blossom, and then becomes one of the best first basemen in the game. Do I think that he could do that? Well, here's the thing. Anthony Rizzo struck out 46 times in his first major league season. 128 at-bats do the math on this 46 divided by 128 that's 36 percent of the strikeouts the following year in limited work he adds a couple more strikeouts but it's in 337 at bats he was able to figure it out if michael chavis can just get that underway and stop swinging at pitches that are out of the zone what if michael chavis turns into an anthony rizzo or even maybe just under Anthony Rizzo. Could you imagine how much better this team would be with Devers hitting, Bogarts hitting, Chavis hitting, um, potentially Muno hitting, Verdugo becoming a superstar? Like, people are not going to miss Mookie Betts if some of these players can start to do damage. It's something I'm thinking about.
0: Yeah, I'm not overly pessimistic about our offense, you know, going into next year. I I think... There's enough depth and, you know, maybe even a couple of minor league call-ups, guys like Jaron Duran, for instance, that could come up and kind of surprise us and and produce, you know, at, at a pretty high level. So I hope Chavis is a part of that. He's got a lot of years left of control. He's going to be cheap. And if you want to build a juggernaut of a ball club, you're going to need guys like Chavis to step up and you know be very productive you know in the lineup. So he's definitely got middle of the order potential all over him. So hopefully hopefully he just continues to show us you know more hits and, and less strikeouts. Some honorable mentions, uh JD Martinez five 4 seventeen uh, hit a home run uh, on Saturday and just starting to really drive the ball with with a lot more power. He was 0 for five in the final game of the series, but so be it. It's still trending the right way. Jackie Bradley, sorry Al, uh, five for sixteen. Had two home runs in the series. Had hits in in every game. Uh, looked. Very good. It's funny how our trade deadline rejects are starting to suddenly be robust, but so be it. Matt Barnes uh, had a couple of good appearances. I think both were uh, for saves as well. Um, An inning in game one, inning in game three, didn't give up a run. Um, you know, looked pretty, looked pretty good. Didn't walk anybody either. So. Um, nice to see there. Chris Meza, four innings, uh, pitched in game three, kind of as an opener, only gave up uh, one earned run on three hits. Pretty good there. Uh, and then Ryan Weber, five innings of two run baseball. I, we would take that every time for him and he's thrived in a middle relief role. His average is like in the mid threes when he's, when he's pitching long relief. Not so good as a starter, but, you know, this was obviously the exception. And then I'm just going to say it, you know, Alex Verdugo, 5 for 17. I know he had an oopsie and uh, probably cost us a game on Friday, but at least offensively still continuing to, um, you know, be that consistent leadoff guy that we desperately needed for the first few weeks of the season. So any, uh, any thoughts on any of these honorable mentions?
1: Yay. Jackie Bradley's hitting and he's going to be gone after this year. Yeah. Give me a break. That's all I have. You know, you know, uh, you know,
2: actually I have to actually mention this because you didn't, you didn't mention it, Terry, and it's okay, because you did mention a lot of the other players that have done some great work, and you, you did hit on the Weber, so this is going to be a pass. But, but Kevin Klawicki not getting enough love. When he plays back-to-back game with multiple hits, and in the last game of the series, no, we didn't get the win, but the man hit a home run, his first one on the year. His batting average is three fifty four now. So he played in, I believe it was game two and game five, two for four with a couple of singles, a couple of runs scored, one strikeout. Tonight, two for three, a strikeout, had a home run, another single, knocked in three runs. Is it, is it possible that we could see somebody like Plowicki overtake Vasquez as the catcher in Boston? I know this is completely far-fetched, But what if Plowicki ends up turning into the guy who does have the ability to not only hit the ball, but catch games? Vasquez isn't hitting the ball. Vasquez in game one, not scaring anybody. 0 for 3, couple of strikeouts, couple of walks, yes, great. Uh, Game three, Vasquez, 1 for 2, couple walks. Okay, so doing okay, but the pop is not there. Um, Typically, um, could – could Plawecki overtake Vasquez, or is that way too out of line?
0: Well, I mean, if you look at his career, and he's been in the big league since 2015, this year is definitely an anomaly. You know, he's hitting, you know, almost in the mid 300s right now. He hit 260 in 2017 and then was 222 or below uh, the other four seasons. So. I mean, if you're going to tell me that this is the type of production we're going to get out of him, and I've been really impressed with his ability to kind of slap balls to the opposite field. And if other players on this team could do that, we would be deadly offensively, and he's done that very well. So, I mean, I'd love to keep him at least as a backup, and I've, I've already said almost ad nauseum, in the last several shows, I don't trust Christian Vasquez as a game caller, especially with these younger guys coming up from the minors. I'd much rather have a a very seasoned veteran who has a history of good game calling, catching them. And if there's a trade market for Vasquez, this winter, I hope they, I hope they deal him to someone. And, you know, even if it's not a great return, Jason Kelly made a great point in the last show. Why not? Why not package someone in with them? You know, if if Chavis oh, or Dahlbeck, absolutely. yeah, if Chavis or Dalbeck become expendable, put one of them in. Suddenly, that's a that's a pretty good trade package. And so, I I here's, like Pulawski. I like him a lot.
2: I, I like Pulawski too. And here's the thing that makes me just a little bit nervous. About uh, Vasquez, including July 31st, Christian Vasquez has hit, wait for it, no home runs, and has knocked in a total of four RBIs. Kevin Ploiecki, today alone, had one home run and three RBIs in one game. Vasquez has no power right now. So I'm, I'm starting to wonder... Was this the benefit of the juice ball season? Is that what made Christian Vasquez uh, relevant as a hitter? Because that's just that's not good. Um, you know, hitting decently so far for for the month of September. It's in, an incredibly um, small sample size, but four RBIs in the month, eight runs scored, eighty-seven at bats with twenty-six strikeouts. Sorry. That's not cutting it. That's not a starting catcher. It's just not. And uh, people can say whatever they want about the beginning of July, but if you hit four home runs in six, seven games to start the season, and then you've hit nothing since, I mean, Christian Vasquez hit four home runs in the first five games of the year. Since then, no home runs and four RBIs. I'm sorry. I'm I'm calling it an anomaly, like you mentioned. I think that was just a a nice little hot streak, and he loved hitting against the Mets because he had three homers, uh, six RBIs against them, another homer, two RBIs against Baltimore. Since then, four RBIs. That's it, four RBIs. You, you if plowecki gives you what he's doing, even at like fifty percent, plowecki's a better option as the catcher. Is he going to be a great signal caller? A shot call. I, I don't know. I, I, it didn't look that good in this series, but, I mean, Vasquez isn't calling great games. If they're both calling four games, but at least one's hitting, why aren't we going with the one that's hitting? Food for thought.
0: I'm a big critic of juice baseballs. So I think, you know, the the home run is exciting, but when it becomes an all-or-nothing Sport when it's just home runs or strikeouts, I think that's a terrible product. Um, you know, I, I like to see small ball. I like to see just good contact hitting. Um, and you know, you make a good point. Is is Vasquez benefiting from the juice baseball? It's very possible. It, it's very possible. And for the first half of last season, the balls were extremely juiced and. By July 1st, you had a few different guys already at at 30 home runs. I know Bellinger was one of them. I think Trout was up there. And um, the polar bear there, Pete Alonzo, was up there. And then suddenly they dropped off in, in the second half, which is the warmest part of the baseball season, July, August, and September. And... They dropped off, and you know physics doesn't really support that happening. You know, unless the balls are less juiced, and I think they changed the balls because a bunch of them were going to make mockeries out of you know the 61 home run milestone that that Roger Maris set. And when all was said and done, even though a bunch of guys were right around 30 at July 1st. Pete Alonso had the most of anyone with only 53. So the balls definitely changed. Go into the postseason. Ronald Acuna Jr. got criticized a couple of times for not not hustling when he hit a fly ball to the warning track. I think they bounced off the wall or whatever, but he was expecting them to be home runs. And I'm sure if those were the same balls in the first half of the season – they would have been home runs, and I think it felt like to him they were home runs off the bat, and but they died and they landed in the park, and he was stuck. I think with a pair of singles that would have been easily doubles. Unlike Machado, Acuna didn't you know didn't punk out after the game. He was remorseful. He was apologetic. But I'm just saying, I just I don't like fake baseball, and. <laughs> I didn't think I'd be getting into a juice baseballs rant here, but I want normal baseballs with normal hitting, you know, and not artificially I'm inflated stats. Yeah. And if I'm, maybe I'm Vasquez, maybe Vasquez did kind of take advantage of that. So, uh, but one way oh, or the other, good. I hope he gets traded.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just mentioned it. Pete Alonso last year had 53 bombs in 161 games, he played almost the whole season. On average, if you were to take the numbers that he's had this year and multiply it by four, his 38 games, you call it 40 games, you multiply that by four, it gives, it gives you just on 160 games. So we'll call it that. Multiply his home runs RBIs by four. You're up to 32 bombs, 88 RBIs. That's still 21 home runs below what he did last year and another 32 RBIs. He'd still be relatively there for the walks, slightly higher uh, his strikeout numbers came down slightly as well. But I, I, I do feel that this is a, a player that did benefit. I mean, that's that's a perfect example. A, a, you hit the nail right on the head. This is someone who thought that ball, when Ronald Acuna hit those balls, he thought they were going to be out of the park. And with those baseballs, they 100% would have been. He didn't punk out. He recognized his mistake. He made up for it. He got taken out of the game. He, he, he apologized, and that was it. No harm, no foul. But um, it, it did kind of make a little bit of a mockery of the game. I'm happy they did what they did because it, it, it was just – it was starting to look stupid. I mean, you have a guy that's never been playing Major League Baseball hitting the ball out like it's a, it's a beach ball and, and you know, left field is like six feet. It, it just – it made no sense. I mean, he was still hitting home runs consistently um, for each month. But, I mean, what he was able to do – the to start off the season was just absolutely insane. Like, he couldn't he couldn't miss. And um, Alonso, oddly enough, in the last month of the year, had the most home runs when the balls allegedly were kind of, like, dying out. He ended up cracking 11 out of the park in the month of September alone, which, again, insane for a rookie. Insane. Absolutely. So um, I think Christian Vasquez, again, one of those guys that, uh, did benefit from that because this is somebody who this year four home runs to start off the season last year hit 23 if we're to do the same thing and multiply the numbers four four by four 16 home runs 48 rbis still better than anything he's ever done before but uh nothing close to what he was able to do last year not even close
0: one other point uh, you know kind of related to juice baseball's Today's score was, what was it, 10 to 8. So there was 18 combined runs between the two teams. And it was a 4-hour and 25-minute game. So juiced baseballs are offsetting pace of play. It's dragging the games out longer. So I don't I don't see the incentive in, in juicing them if it's just going to destroy the other initiative that they're trying to accomplish by shortening the game's so just a classic example of MLB trying to have it both ways, and it's blowing up in their face. But getting into the duds for the series, Al, who do you have?
1: I have uh, Matt Hall, who went an inning in two-thirds today, gave up four hits, six runs, four walks, two Ks. I don't think I really have to get into much of a description <laughs> there. It's pretty bad. It's not great gotta do better and he hasn't been doing better so yeah not great
0: this might be his last year in the bigs uh, unless another team decides to tank next year and wants a little um game loss insurance added in with hall you know because i mean giving up six runs the game got lost right away you know so terrible charlie what are your thoughts on matt hall
2: I just you know when when I think of Matt Hall, I think of the inverse reaction of the twenty eighteen Boston Red Sox of the do damage. He's doing damage the wrong way. Not the, the pro damage, this is the con damage. Your ERA has now jumped from fifteen point four three to nineteen point eight nine. How in the world are you pitching past? Double A, putting up numbers like that. I'm sorry, but I've said this before uh, multiple times uh, about certain pitchers and and certain players. uh, Paul is not a major league pitcher. I mean, every game he's pitched in, he has done beyond four. Beyond four. Three runs against the Mets, five runs against the Yankees. Every single time he pitches, he does worse he literally does worse. This appearance, fifty-four pitches, not even half of them were strikes. What are you doing? What What are you doing here?
0: <laughs> I think this is a classic example of uh, a GM wanting a high draft pick. You know, so let's throw this guy out there uh, as much as we can get away with it. So he'll he'll probably be with the Diamondbacks next year. That way, he can lose them five or six games. But oh god. Yeah, these are the guys you want, like I said, if you want to tank. Um, Absolutely. Just absolutely brutal, right? Charlie, who do you have? Who's your dud?
2: My dud for this week, this one actually kind of hurt to say. Uh, My dud for this week was actually uh, Phillips Valdez. Uh, This is somebody who had a sub-1 ERA, had gotten his ERA back down uh, into the pretty numbers, but it – it just kind of fell apart for him in two games this series. So um, in the first game of the series, he pitched one inning, gave up four runs, only three of which were earned, gave up two hits, walked three, one strikeout, and two home runs allowed. And uh, it just it didn't seem to click. He had only 16 of his pitches go for strikes, but his ERA jumped from .86 to 2.05. He comes back a couple games later in two-thirds of an inning, he gives up three runs all earned on four hits with two walks and no strikeout, and only ten of those pitches were strikes. His ZRA jumped in two games from .86 to 3.18. Is this an outlier? Dear Lord, I hope so, because I was really, really looking forward to a Phillips Valdez, Darwinson Hernandez, Ryan Brazier, seven eight nine. you know, sprinkling a little bit of Matty Barnes in there. Uh... I, I tr- oh I, I truthfully hope this is not a uh, you know warning sign um, uh, of bad things to come down the stretch because I'm, I'm really liking this kid. Um, he's fun, you know hasn't played that much time in the bigs um, for the Red Sox you know only this year and last year as far as major League time last year with Texas um, this year with us I, I really hope this is just a, a, a really bad fluke and he can right the ship. I really hope so
0: our thoughts on Valdez?
1: I mean, Charlie said in case where he pitch ball all year and then he just decides to have a gut of a series. But I think it's just a blip in the road, and I think Valdez is going to be fine going forward, and I think it's going to be a case where we're going to look back on this and just say, oh, wasn't, a, wasn't his best day, but you know what? He's going to be one of the more reliable relievers going forward.
0: That's the hope, and there is enough time left in the season to kind of get a better gauge of of who he really is. You know, like Charlie said, he's been extremely impressive. Before this series, had only given up two earned runs. There were some appearances where he came in with runners on that ended up scoring, but... Um, but yeah, I mean, still a guy that I want to see more of to, to try to figure out if he could be a long-term guy, uh, his journey to major league baseball is not the same as your average player. I mean, he is in his upper twenties now, I think he's 28 or so. And, but he's, he's got a lot of control beyond this year, uh, you know, remaining. So Hopefully hopefully he does right the ship, but not a good series. And to be fair, I mean Toronto does have a lineup that could make a lot of pitching staffs look bad. I mean, Teoscar Hernandez isn't too far behind Trout and Tatis in the home run category and you know, Biggio, Bichette, all those guys. I don't although I did Bichette even play this series? You, I don't think I got. I got to look at
2: that because I'm pretty sure that um,
0: if he did. He Bichette was, quiet. was
2: Who was it that uh, it wasn't Bouchette that got injured then? Oh, he wasn't
0: was that got. Yeah, like three weeks ago, he had some type of a knee sprain, and
2: I, he hasn't played since.
0: Oh no, okay, my bad. I thought he had been activated, but it makes sense because, like I said, he's been pretty quiet, one way or the other. But. Yeah,
2: so so there's there's a couple of B rookies. You got Cavan Biggio, and then you have uh, Dante Bichette's son, um, and and I'm pretty sure that he's been out um, for a little bit. I actually hope that he does get better because the last thing you want is for Bo Bichette to be out for an extended period of time. I think the last time that he played was like mid August. I don't think he's been I don't think he's been back since.
0: Yeah, he's only played uh, 14 games. I just that up. I'm just trying to see if there's any headlines. Uh, he's facing live pitching right now at their, um, you know, their minor league site or whatever. So um, sounds like he could be uh, back in the lineup shortly, which would be nice because it, it, it does look like the Blue Jays are going to be. Um, if not the second place team to automatically get in, they'll, they'll at least be a wild card, uh, by the looks of it. So, uh, so yeah, so we'll see. And hopefully, uh, Valdez continues to, uh, you know, improve, you know, despite this, uh, <laughs> shellacking he took against the blue Jays. But my, uh, dud for the series is, uh, a guy that we have, he's been a regular in, in the dud segment. Uh, Zach Godley, three innings pitched, gave up five hits, four earned runs, walked one, struck out four. I might not have gone with him, but after the inning was over, Renicky approached him in the dugout and apparently told him that, you know, he was done for the day. And, you could tell by Godley's body language, he gave somewhat of a sarcastic response and then stormed across the dugout into the tunnel and then presumably into the clubhouse. So if it weren't for that little charade, I I might've gone with, with someone else. Um, you know, Marcus Walden hasn't been good. And Vasquez, you know, was a, was a solid candidate for, um, you know, this segment, but I don't like what I'm seeing from Godley. And I certainly don't like his attitude and I'm not going to miss him.
2: Yeah. I'm with you there, dude. I'm going to jump right in on that one. So Godley's seen his ERA rise like the Apple stock. I mean, it's just, it's pretty if it was worth money, but ERA isn't supposed to go up. It's supposed to go down. And every single game that Zach Godley has pitched, whether he start or relieve, has been a loss except for one and it had nothing to do with him because in the one game that the Red Sox actually won when he pitched, he gave up five runs on eight hits and four and two thirds innings of work. Sorry, that doesn't scream starting pitcher at all. You're averaging four runs over your last start earned. You've literally given up four runs on the average. You're that bad. You're averaging over three and the third innings over your last three starts. You're that bad. You've given up 15 hits. That's five hits, four runs. Oh yeah, you're averaging over one home run on the average for three and a third and a little bit extra. You're that bad. Two plus walks every three innings. You're that bad. I don't give a damn that you've struck out 10 in your 10 innings of work because you've given up an ungodly number of home runs, and you can't seem to get out of the fifth inning. You literally can't do it. You're not a starter. You're just not. And I, like you, will not miss someone who has the balls to disrespect his manager not once, but twice now this year, I believe, that we've actually seen on camera. And Terry, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember the last pitcher not named Wade Miley to be just, like, fired up, but not be disrespectful to the coach or the manager. It's just, who do you think you are? You're a 30-year-old bust. You're, you're, You're nobody. You had one good year, one year. Everything after that, you've never won more than eight games in a season outside of 2018. And since 2018, you've won four games. And here's the best part, you've not won one in Boston.
0: He has why are
2: you complaining?
0: And it's it's almost selfish of him to want to go out and most likely give up more runs. I mean, if he's given up four and three innings, it's in it's in the best interest of the team to move on to someone else. Why should why should he be afforded the right to go out there and, and cough it up? You know, for the team, so I, I don't like it. And I, you're right. Wade Miley was the last one, the last pitcher I remember going off on a manager, although it was John Farrell, and who all the players seem to hate by the end of his tenure. So, you know, you take, know take that here's for here's the it. thing
2: about here, here's the thing about Godley, and I am very curious to know what those incentives are. Zach Godley is making 1.5 million this year as a member of the Sox. He could earn an additional 1.5 million in performance incentives. Does he think? Does he really think that Ron Reneke is holding him from making that additional 1.5 million when he's putting out worse, worse than peasant numbers? <laughs> like it, it's just, I'm, 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 I'm just not coming from a good place right now when I, when I say this, but you can't disrespect your manager and, and then go out and put that as the product. You can't do it. I wouldn't, be call, I wouldn't be saying anything bad about you if you didn't disrespect the man who's supposed to run the ship. You just can't do that. You just can't. You can't do that as the one. You can't do that as the two. You're not even putting up number five starter numbers. You're not even putting up reliever numbers on any other team in Major League Baseball including the Pirates. The Pirates wouldn't even take Zach Godley. That's how bad you are. So what makes you think you have the right to go off, and and, and honest to God, it comes down to a respect piece that he just does not have. And Zach Godley, not an old guy. He's 30. He's been in the league for seven years now. You should know better. The fact that this is happening tells me right now Zach Godley's career in major in major league baseball will probably end in twenty twenty.
1: Zach Godley stinks. He's always stunk and he's always going to continue to stink. And I can't really say much else because you guys pretty much hit the nail on the head. So yeah. Goodbye, Zach Godley. You will not be missed.
0: I've kind of got a acquaintance in the in the Arizona Diamondbacks market where Godley spent the bulk of his career and his name's Jesse Friedman. He hosts the rattle podcast does come on here, you know, once or twice a year, usually in the off season. Um, but he told me the day we acquired Godly that it's probably not going to work out well. <laughs> and it definitely hasn't. And another thing that kind of jogs my memory as far as, you know, pitchers throwing hissy fits or whatever. Lester and Beckett and even John Lackey used to do it with Francona quite a bit as they were coming off the mound. And it was always over by the time they got to the dugout, but they'd always be fuming. They they couldn't face that one last batter or whatever. And um, Francona would just let them, you know, just let them do it. You know, just let them get it out of their system. And that was during a time where the pitching coach wouldn't necessarily go out to the mound. Sometimes the manager would and then would either take the, the pitcher out or, or would simply walk back and say, All right, you know, we'll we'll give him another hitter but you don't really see much of that anymore either. Usually when the manager comes out, you know, it's a done deal. They're you know, they're going to the bullpen. But yeah, anyway, uh, some dishonorable mentions, Um, not really a lot in the lineup. Uh, Jonathan Arauz was um, 0 for 4, you know, I'm not really going to get on his case too much. Um, Vasquez, 3 for 15, not great. Devers, 3 for 15, not great. Um, Bogarts was 4 for 19, but his hits were productive, and, you know, he had two home runs, you know, with, you know, multiple RBIs. So, um, I'm not going to get on his case too much. Uh, Marcus Walden, you know, let the bases clear, um, in game two when he was brought out of the pen, his ERA is over 10 now in the double digits. So definitely not a guy. I, I thought last year he had some potential, you know, to be a very serviceable arm, but I am not really seeing that anymore. And, uh, I know Charlie is uh, not thrilled with Verdugo uh, defensively in game two. So, You know,
2: here's the thing about Doogie. I, I can't say anything bad. He had, you know, just the one – and this is the thing. Nobody is perfect. But I would be an absolute fraud if I were to blame Alex Verdugo for – and it sucks because one error unfortunately did, did make the difference – but how many games has Verdugo won? How many other situation in that how many other situations in that game could have gone the other direction? It was a one run game, which means that the Red Sox bullpen didn't do a good enough job because that's one play. When people say, Oh man, you blew the game and and myself included, because I was like crap, you know, the error didn't help. That's his fourth error on the year. It's not it's not great. But they've played 40 games, four errors. Not crazy. But how many games has he won for Boston based on his offense? And his mentality, his gamesmanship, uh, the fun and just young, just kid baseball mentality that he brings to Boston is just what the Red Sox need. Verdugo, I honestly think, is going to be my next jersey purchase. That's how much I actually enjoy watching this kid. When Alex Verdugo was a kid, they asked him, you know, what teams did you like? And he said, the Boston Red Sox. You know, you had, you know, if, if you watch the, uh, the, you know, little docuseries they have on like each player. Um, I watched the one on Martin Perez. I watched the one on Verdugo. He's a huge David Ortiz fan. Big fan. Verdugo will not get a bad grade in my book unless he starts to do what, unfortunately, some of the other players have done. But Verdugo is everything that's right about Boston Red Sox baseball. He is like, not to the same degree, but the Fernando Tatis Jr. Just that kid. I love baseball. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to win. You can't hate this kid. And I'm I'm so happy that we got him. I'm really happy now.
0: Al, thoughts yeah, on no, it? Oh, go ahead.
1: Not much. Not much to say, honestly. I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head with everything. I mean, Bolgards, Devers, they're gonna have bad series every now and again, so. Can't really be too mad about it, honestly.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was really the bullpen that that really sank us in this series. You know, if it weren't for Hall today, chances are we we could have won that one. So then we win the series, uh, three games to five, and um, you know it. Uh, you know, I think we lost the godly start, but yeah. So. It could have been it could have been a better series, uh, you know if the if the later innings were were um, you know handled a little bit better by the relievers, but so be it. Uh, so just go re- oh, go ahead.
2: oh, I was gonna say, so going back to the beginning of this season when we started this back in late July, we did not win this Toronto series. I know this is a little bit of a makeup game, so we technically, split but not really because one was the makeup game. Going back, outside of the Washington series, where we where we actually pulled two out of three, does anybody know off the top of their head how many series the Red Sox have won this year?
0: Just one. Outside of one. Just
2: one. (laughs) The Toronto series in early August. That's it. We've split a bunch of series, but we have not been able to get any position, any kind of gain. we keep going the wrong direction. And I, I remember saying this a couple of, of uh, I think it was the, a week ago. I said, does anybody think that this team can go 500 or not? And I think the general consensus was no. But if we can even come close, that'd be really nice to see because here's the thing. While I, I know we, we've had a lot of, of, of supporters and, and people that listen to our show that are both Red Sox fans and non-Red Sox fans what has been more disappointing the Red Sox uh you know kind of failure to kind of get it done this year or the fact that the Yankees now have fallen and lost 13 of 18 games sit six and a half games behind the Blue Jays in third place and are just two games above 500. what is more disappointing the Yankees who have dealt with several injuries but have completely fallen apart or the fact that the Red Sox just don't even look like a major league ball club. I honestly, I don't know if I can pick one or the other. They've both been sad. They've both been sad. Literally, Yankees-Red Sox rivalry, I mean, the Yankees have been able to actually trounce the Red Sox. But outside of the games against the Red Sox, the Yankees so far, uh, I believe they're 8-0 against the Red Sox. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure I'm right. You're correct. That means that the Red Sox series, not counting against the Yankees, makes them 13-19. and 19. That's god-awful.
0: That's, that's terrible. That's bad. And w- there's a realistic possibility here, because we don't know where the floor is with the Yankees right now, but we could finish fourth and fifth, with obviously us being fifth, but... Um, that's a crazy thought. <laughs> and... Here's,
2: here's why I don't think the Yankees will finish in fourth. And the reason for that is because the best hitter for the Baltimore Orioles might actually be done for the season. And that actually does hurt because, uh, uh Santander Santander, uh, I think it's Santander is someone who, when we were talking about our favorite player from each team, I mentioned that he was my favorite player. I was actually really, really excited to see this kid play, and Santander has d- has done everything right as a member of the Orioles. It sucks that he got injured, but this is someone who's absolutely caught fire. Can he? Can he? write You know? Can he get better? We don't know. But if he is truthfully out for the season, um, I, I I I don't know. I I don't know if the Orioles will be able to maintain uh, losing fourth place i don't think the 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 yankees will do bad enough to slide into fourth could it happen sure that means the yankees are gonna have to do another two games worse and i don't think that the baltimore Orioles will do uh better than the yankees will to close out the season over the last uh 20 games give or take
0: well baltimore has one more set with new york it's a four gamer but they've got – a Baltimore has a tough schedule, though. I mean, they've got the Mets before the Yankees, and then after the Yankees they have Atlanta, Tampa Bay, uh, Boston, which, you know, they've thumped us quite a bit. Uh, and then they, they wrap up with Toronto. So um, it just depends on the Yankees and – I mean – they're not pitching well and they're not hitting well. So and and Britain has has been struggling too. So I'm just kind of laughing at them. You know, I, I jokingly tweeted out earlier that they're like the 2019 Boston Red Sox, except for the fact that they're not the defending champs right now. <laughs> so right, I I don't I don't care that they're that they're miserable because as Andrew said on Twitter, this this was a scheduled suck for us. It's not – the Yankees were the World Series favorites on, you know, July 23rd. So we'll see. Here,
2: here's the crazy thing. When uh, the division switched from, uh, you know, 7 to 5, and the Yankees became uh, part of the AL East to join um, the Red Sox, um, the, the Blue Jays, the Orioles were there. Tampa Bay Rays were not there originally. Um, But they were they were there um, because the Rays, if I'm not mistaken, became a a team in 1998, if I'm not mistaken. Because I remember the Brewers at one point were in the American League. uh, uh, And so things have, have shifted slightly. But since 1994, the Yankees have finished worse than second place only three times, which is unbelievable. So then my next question is. When was the last time, hypothetically speaking, that both the Red Sox and the Yankees finished in the bottom two spots of the American League?
0: I don't have any idea.
2: Isn't that insane? The, Red, the, the Yankees have, have never... All right, so 1990 was the year when the Yankees were just... They were not that good. They finished seventh out of seven in their division, and that was that. Since then, if you were to go far as far back as 1970, they've never been last. So, outside of potentially 1990, because I'm going to look it up right now, I'm, I'm very curious: has there ever been a year where both the Yankees and the Red Sox finished up with both with both of the the worst records in in, in baseball for their division? I, I don't think so.
0: I, just I don't. Yeah. So you got to go back. If a long that way. happens.
2: Oh, you have to go back a long time, and and how would that drastically change? Um, how would that drastically ch- change baseball? Twenty sixteen, the Yankees were were not that good. They finished in fourth place. The Red Sox won the division that year. That was when the Orioles and Blue Jays were just a couple games behind, and the Tampa Bay Rays were absolute garbage. They they were nowhere on the map, um, and and that was it. We all knew why uh, they fell apart. Uh, Twenty sixteen, I think, was the year when. Uh, Wasn't 2016 the year that David Price ended up being gone?
0: No, that was 2017 with a magic elbow. Price. What year
2: did he leave Tampa Bay?
0: Oh, he left.
2: Oh, it was 2014. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. 2014. Yeah. Um, But it would it would blow my mind. Like, what are the odds? The Red Sox and the Yankees finished fourth and fifth. Like that that just I, I can't I can't picture that. That that's insane to me. Two of the best teams in, in, in baseball, finishing with two of the worst records in baseball. That would blow my mind away.
0: Just think of the payroll, uh, too. And you know. that's,
2: that's why it's a major bust. Yeah. Why? What do you think is worse? Yankees payroll finishing in third, Red Sox payroll finishing in fifth.
0: Definitely, Which one is worse? Definitely the Yankees.
2: I think so too.
0: They signed Garrett Cole, and we're we're going for it. And they weren't in position to make that signing either, but they did it anyway, and you know, fell on their face. They they get it together, and the playoffs are all about momentum. You know, the best team on paper going in doesn't always win. It's the team that's you know been hot the couple of weeks going into it that typically uh, goes the furthest. So. Um, listen
1: i'm sick and tired of talking about the yankees go a's i'm on the a's bandwagon right now
0: there you go i i i don't mind the rays really if the rays win it no, that's fine not if, the
1: Rays. not the rays the a's the athletics
0: no i i heard what you said and i'm fine with the a's as well that's so that's oh, okay. that's good okay. yeah the the a's oh, excuse me now you're screwing me up al the rays tampa our division rivals um, I don't, they're not as hateable as they were when Madden was there, and, and David Price too, for that matter. Um, so I don't know if they if they win one. And, and here's another thing to point out: the the Rays have been killing the Yankees all year long. And if the Yankees do hang on to that eight seed, guess what? They're playing Tampa. They're getting Morton Glass now and Snell and some order or the other. And Tampa's gonna have the luxury of lining it up any way they want, because they're probably gonna clinch that number one seed with four or five games remaining.
2: So the the Yankees are two and eight against Tampa Bay. That's the thing. Yankees got swept at New York. That that's that's the thing that's mind blowing too. I, I, I can't remember
0: You just cut out, Charlie, or maybe I cut out.
2: Yeah, can you can uh, you hear me? Oh, Al, I can, can now. You hear me. Yep. Yes. There we go. So, I mean, it's hard to remember a series when uh, the Yankees get swept at home because that's kind of embarrassing. No, no one likes getting swept at home. But you look at what the the, the payroll is. The Red Sox payroll is very ugly. One hundred ninety one million. The Yankees are more ugly. Almost. A Quarter of a billion dollars, Tampa Bay Rays. Are you guys ready for this?
0: Six. Does anyone have any idea? Sixty million. It's
2: it was so so prior to uh, the um, the whole the adjusted salary. It was seventy two million. Okay. They have less than half of what the it's it's literally less than a third of 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 what the um of what the Yankees have. And they're putting that out? That's insane. That's literally mental. So, I mean, imagine if the Tampa Bay Rays were like, yeah, I mean, sure. We'll, we'll spend another $30 million. Could you imagine how much better this team could be?
0: <laughs> they
2: have so many guys on their team that are making less than a million dollars. Their highest-paid player is Charlie Morton. Yeah. Their second-highest-paid player, Kevin Kiermeyer. After that, you have Blake Snell, and everybody after that is making five million or less. You have six, seven guys making a little over a million or, or more, and then you have like fifteen to twenty that are making eight hundred fifty thousand or less. That's literally insane. That's
0: insane. Cashman, I I don't want to get into a whole thing on him, but he, these guys are proving he's the dumbest, you know, executive in the league. Just he, there's no way he's going to be able to spend his way to a title at this point his his roster is just so bad and they're three or four years away from just being old and even more broken than they are now so just this that's a terrible organization when it when it comes to you know balance and trades and acquisitions they did nothing at the deadline by the way but yeah Let's. Uh, we're getting kind of long here so we'll just uh, touch on this Philly series awkwardly it's two games which are going to be a double header so seven innings apiece discrepancies on which game which starters are going to start uh, ESPN says um, Perez will start the second game I think MLB has him as the game one starter but But be that as it may, I I don't think it makes a huge difference which game he starts. Zach Eflin is their only named starter, uh, TBA on the other one. So this is a series I feel like could go either way. Both teams have a very robust offense. Um, So I I don't know. It could be a split. I I wouldn't be surprised if either team comes away with, with two wins. But Charlie, what are your thoughts?
2: I, I mean, here's the thing. We, we already know where the season is going. Um, it'll be – I'm actually going to say this because, like you said, you, you want to be optimistic about this. Based on what I said, I know he does one hot, one cold. Um, Eflin is, is not a scary pitcher. Uh, he's good, not great. Um, last appearance, didn't do fantastically well against Washington. Good team. Four runs, seven hits, six innings. The thing that the, the Phillies have, they have starting pitching that can go five, six innings. The Red Sox do not. Martin Perez has proven that he can go six innings. Can he do it again? That's the big question mark. Is
0: c- Could he? Sure. Well, you cut out again, Charlie. Al, are you with me? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so Charlie's having some technical issues.
2: Uh, I'll... Uh...
0: Yeah, what are your I'll, thoughts? I'll
1: just say, real quick, uh, just real quick. I think this Red Sox team. I mean, it, this Phillies team is interesting because they were supposed to be so good, but then obviously they're having the year that they're having and they're underachieving, just like they did in 2019. But it's not going to surprise me if the Red Sox lose both games to Philly. It's just that type of year, unfortunately. So I got the Red Sox losing both.
0: And Philly's got something to play for, you know. They're trying to get into second place, you know, in their division, and you know, or or no worse than the, you know, the one of the wild card, uh, berths. So uh, they also they're also still playing catch up because they missed some games earlier due to COVID. So um Yeah. Yeah, we, you're back now, at least for the moment. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, so a split would be nice if Martin Perez could do that. Um, but I'm leaning more towards the, you know, if Perez doesn't have a good game this week against um, the Phillies. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. You know what? I'm going to lean split because Martin Perez is going to have um, a little bit of an edge because I think if I'm Martin Perez, I'd rather pitch in Philadelphia than in Boston um, as a left-handed pitcher. Um, so I'm gonna say we split. Perez puts up five innings, gives up three runs on six hits. We win his game, five-three. Five, In the other game, I
0: don't know. <laughs> yeah, because we don't know we who would. the starter is. Sounds like I, I think Brewer could be lined up for that one. So I, I bet that's the the way they go. And he he can be pretty stout. You know, I I know he did have one recent uh, bad appearance. I think he gave up four runs, but um, but yeah, we'll see. Well, anyway, we'll, uh, I guess we'll wrap on that and, uh, I'll be back with you guys, uh, next Sunday to, uh, discuss what happened with, uh, the Tampa series, which might be a bloodbath, but, uh, we'll, we'll see when we get there and then Andrew and Jason will be on with me Tuesday night to, um, go over this Philly series.
2: Sounds good.
0: All righty. Sounds great. Yeah, have a good night, gentlemen.
2: You Take too. care, you guys. You hey, guys.
0: Episode two fifteen in the books. Kind of a you know it was an interesting series against Toronto. You know we didn't get railroaded. but like I said, you know if our bullpen was a little bit better, you know we we would have won at least three out of the four, uh, three out of the five, excuse me, if not four out of five. So. But hopefully the, the Phillies series is fun. You know, we got some kids up to kind of pay attention to. Bobby Dahlbeck. Um, if Munoz, it looked like he might have had a, a either a cramp or a hamstring issue today. Um, but if he's back in the lineup, he could be fun to watch. And we'll see if Chavis can carry his momentum uh, forward as well. Take care, everyone.